Hello and welcome. I'm your host, Chris Geis. So, you want to ride a motorcycle better, faster, safer, with more skill and confidence? Or do you want to ride a motorcycle for the first time? Or ride again after taking a break from riding? Well, the purpose of my podcast is to help grow the sport of motorcycling by helping riders of all levels, whether they are new to motorcycling or not, increase their knowledge and skills so that they are better, smarter, safer riders and are getting everything they want out of motorcycling, whether it's on the street, on the track, or maybe even as a fan or a participant in some form of motorcycle racing. My game is to help all motorcyclists up their game. This is episode 41 titled, How to Achieve Cornering Confidence. In this episode, I talk with John Del Vecchio, a family man and high school educator who also owns the Street Skills LLC motorcycle school that he founded in 2015, which is a New York State licensed driving school and an AMA chartered organization. John has combined his passion for motorcycles, his 20 years of riding experience, and his 10 years as a Motorcycle Safety Foundation rider coach to build his motorcycle school and to develop his corner and confidence method of motorcycle street rider instruction. In his corner and confidence book, curriculum, and online course, John has taken to heart the MSF motto of, the more you know, the better it gets, to help riders enjoy their riding more, get better control of their motorcycle, and thus reduce rider anxiety and make them more successful riders on the street. His method is designed to get students up to speed, step-by-step, on trail braking and other techniques to make them safer riders in the corners. Cornering Confidence is self-paced education with direct support from John as needed. This is a unique approach to motorcycle skills development, which dovetails in with the other teaching methods and schools that you may already be familiar with. This episode was recorded on Wednesday, April 22nd, 2020, and is being published on Thursday, April 23rd, 2020. I hope you enjoy it. So, you want to ride a motorcycle? Well, you've come to the right place, because this is the So You Want to Ride a Motorcycle podcast. This episode is brought to you in part by the following supporters of my podcast. Thumper Club member John Gardner, also known as G4. Parallel Twin Club members Shane Patilla and Jerry Vavaro. V-Twin Club members Richard Warfield Jr. of R-Dub Studios LLC and Harley Nemzer from the On the Road Again Motorcycle School. Triple Club member Aaron at The Motorcycle Rider and V4 Club member John Del Vecchio from the Street Skills LLC Motorcycle Riding School and author of the book, Corner and Confidence. Gentlemen, thank you very much for your support. It is greatly needed and very much appreciated. If you would like to join these supporters to help grow my podcast and other motorcycle-related content and thus contribute to the growth of the sport of motorcycling, please stay tuned to the end of this episode or check out the podcast supporters link on my website. I would also like to announce the new affiliates program. If you go to the affiliates page on my website, you will see the companies that I have partnered with to bring you some of the motorcycle gear and services that I use myself. Not only will you benefit from their products and services, but if you make a purchase using the links on this page, you'll also be helping to support the podcast financially. So I'd like to welcome these affiliates. Street Skills LLC, which provides the Corner and Confidence book and online course. 
If you purchase a course or course and book combination from my website, you'll also be listed as a supporter on my podcast supporters page as a Parallel Twin Club member. If you are already a podcast supporter, a portion of the purchase price will be credited towards your next support level. And I'd also like to welcome Bond Body Armor, which I've been using for a couple of years now. If you go to their website using the affiliate link, you'll get 10% off your entire purchase from their online store using the discount code they provide. Tell them you heard about Bond Body Armor from this podcast and get a free helmet liner. My special guest tonight is John Del Vecchio, who's been riding motorcycles for 20 years, was a motorcycle safety foundation coach for 10 years, branched off in 2015 and wrote the book Cornering Confidence, as well as founding the Street Skills Motorcycle School, which does small group coaching tours and now focuses on internet-based training using the online course he developed based on his book. So welcome, John. Hi, Chris. So uh, so this is good. This has actually been a while in development, um, and I'm trying to remember. I'm guessing we first hooked up I think through Facebook, probably because I saw like, you know, what you were promoting with your book and, you know, with, with the course and stuff, because I know I've been following you for a while and I you know, follow you on Instagram as well. And uh, I know I had reached out to you some time ago about getting you on the show and whatever that never quite materialized. So I'm glad I'm glad we worked it out now. And it, it's actually good because um, I'm at the point now, you know, I've, I've almost finished your online course. I'm actually, uh, I started chapter 10 tonight. So uh, it, it's good because before you and I talked, I wanted to have a little better sense of, you know, what, what your course is all about. Haven't read the book yet, although I have the copy. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Um, but yeah, so I thought we'll kind of, we'll kind of start with this one. Uh, like I, like I said, you've been riding for 20 years. So how'd, how'd you get started riding? Yeah, and before we get into how I got started writing, I just want to say, though, when you said we got hooked up on Facebook, which is interesting because I don't really use Facebook very often. But okay. when I saw your, you know, you had followed me or followed my my uh, Street Skills Moto page or whatever, I looked, I said, oh, this guy's got a podcast. And I started listening to the podcast. And I, I think that it's kind of a, a testament to your, I, I don't know, um, ability to sort of leverage these social media um, to, to your advantage because you came across as professional from day one and, I, and it was very enjoyable to listen to. And so I do appreciate you having me on as a fan yeah. of your show. And so, um, you know, people get writing different, you know, get different stages in their life or for different reasons. Um, you know, when I was a kid, I always wanted to ride uh, but it, I lived in one of those households, you know, it's not going to happen kind of thing. And in, in 2001, a lot, lots of things came together and I finally decided it was time to, to go out and get my license. And, you know, I was a brand new father. I had two little kids. Uh, and I just, like I said, a lot of things came together and I said, I want to do this. And I actually signed up in April for a course that was in September and there were so few classes and it was so popular at the time. And so I took the class and it was it was the first weekend in September 2001. And of course, what happened the next week, right? The mm. World Trade Center attacks. And, yeah, you know, everybody was just thinking, where's everything going here? You know, sort of like, you know, to this coronavirus thing, you know, it's kind of like it, it's a just a unique situation, very disrupting. And. I came out on the other side, you know, um, I, you know, like everybody remembers where they were at that time, but I just remember saying to my wife with the, you know, with the two little kids at home, they were probably one and three years old. 
And I said, I'm just not waiting anymore. You know, I just got my license. You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. And I, I'm going to do this. And mm-hmm. the, I got a Suzuki Savage, um, 650, which is, you know, it, it's a good starter bike. It, they're inexpensive. Uh, they're pretty simple to ride. Uh, cruisers were sort of the big thing. I thought that's what you really, you know, the type of bike you really wanted to have was a Harley and a cruiser and, you know, that kind of thing. And I, I really didn't know much about sport touring. I didn't know much about all the other types of riding out there. Um, so for four years, I basically uh, got, you know, got my first four years of experience, six, 16,000 miles on that Savage, just, you know, basically putting miles on. Mm-hmm. So the rest is history on how I got started. Right. You know, I've gotcha. been doing it ever since. Oh, that's awesome. And, and I kind of get what you mean about, you know, the thing about the, the whole thing around nine 11 and like, you know, like you said, right, these things are disruptive and, and they, they kind of, I don't know, they, they mess with life, but it gets you to, I think, take a look and reevaluate things too. So and anyway, I could understand. Cause I know, and it's something, I don't know if you ever listened to throttle podcast, you know, where I'm sometimes a co-host now, but you know, we've talked there about, you know, th- there are people and and it, it's an individual decision. Like I, I would never tell anyone they were right, wrong, whatever. You know, there are people who they ride motorcycles and then they start a family and they're like, that's it. I'm not riding, you know, and then they wait until the kids are in college or out of college, you know, out of the house, maybe to start riding again. Um, but I, and anyway, I think that's cool. Um, you know, I, I think it's cool to follow your passions and to find a way to balance everything, you know, y- your own hobbies and interests and family. And in fact, there's, um, I think it's uh, Melissa Paris and oh, is Josh Hayes? Is it? I, I don't know. I forget who it is. Josh Hayes and Melissa Paris. I, I forget the couple, but anyway, they're both motorcycle racers, and they have a, a young son. He's a couple years yeah. old, and they've got him on a motorcycle already. You know, which is which is just interesting, right? Because there's some people who would look at that and go, "Wow, that, that's why are you doing that?" You know, you're you're endangering the kid, but this is their life. You know, it's like that's what they know. It's what they like. So that's just interesting. Yeah, you, you bring up the the family type of situation. And, you know, my wife really doesn't like it. I mean, after mm-hmm. all the motorcycling that I have done over the years, she just still thinks it's kind of not the, not the most secure thing for someone to do. And p- part of what drove me to be an MSF coach and to stay up, you know, you know, rubber side down, if you will, was was because of the pressures at home and I have to raise these kids and that sort of thing. Now these kids are 20 and 22 years old. Um, and I did make it through, thank God. And, but, um, so I have been striving to do it as, as best as I possibly could, you know, self-preservation if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, but once the sport touring sort of bug bit me in sport riding and what's in cornering confidence, now you start to think about, is it going to be me or is it going to be like the other person on the road that causes the trouble? Because w- one of the things that I think people aren't honest about when they talk about motorcycling is, you know, blaming other people for mishaps. What I have found is most of the people that I know that have had trouble, myself included, it really hasn't been someone else. Mm-hmm. It was it was their misjudgment, their mistake, their um you know, pretty obvious sort of flaw. And so um, it is something that, you, you know, you really have to think about if 
it could impact your family, you know, and, um, my family came before the bikes. And so once I decided I wanted to do it, it was one of those things where I'm going to kind of have to do it kind of off to the side without my family, which you get a chance to do this. I believe it's Gina. Yep. Mm -hmm. Right. And you get to do it with Gina. And, and so it's something that you can do together that that's really not a part of my experience. A lot of people will I'll go to BMW rallies. You got the husbands and wives and maybe right. even some kids there. Um, and I'm okay with it because if someone doesn't want to be on the back of a motorcycle, they shouldn't be there. Um, and I really never pushed it with the kids uh, because, you know, if something were to happen, you know, you don't want to have had forced the issue. Uh, and so, this has just pretty much always been my uh, sort of um, guilty pleasure, as I call it in, in my book, mm-hmm. um, you know, because I, I think there's two perspectives. You talked about those racers, you know, there's the, the parents uh, that ride that say, you know, hell yes, you're riding. And then there's the parents that say, hell no, you're not riding. And these are parents, these are people that are riders themselves. I mean, I kind of think that, we, you know, we, we want to attract people to motorcycling but we also don't want to, I guess, give people a, a, a misconception about the, the commitment that it takes to do it well. Um, right. You know, if, you know, if you see someone like a girl, get out, a teenager get on the back of a motorcycle with, with you know, the, the shorts and a tank top on and, you know, the, the, there's a disconnect between reality, you know, and what's going on in that person's head. And I just, you know you wouldn't want something to go wrong if someone wasn't all in. And so, um, I, I remember when I first got my license, uh, I had that savage and I was so excited. I, I didn't have anybody in my family or friends that rode and I was telling everybody, Hey, do this, get your license, ride with me, you know? And then six months later, I locked the front wheel up and went over like a ton of bricks, um, Mm -hmm. in front of McDonald's near, you know, our hospital here. And, uh, had to go, I went to the emergency room and all that stuff. And, um, after that experience, I sort of toned it down a little bit because I said, you know, if somebody wants to do this, I won't shut up about it. If they ask me questions, I won't shut up. If somebody brings up the subject, I will talk their ear off. I'll give them as much information as possible. But being a, you know, like the, the salesman, you know, I don't know. I just think it's a big decision that people should make on their own. But how do people know? So that you get yourself a catch 22 there, right? It's a double-edged sword. How do you introduce yeah. people that might like it without putting them in jeopardy? So uh, that, that, that's a really an interesting point. Cause you know, as you, as you were talking about that, I'm like, well, you know, as you know, one of the reasons I started the podcast was I want to get more people into writing. I, I agree with your point though, about feeling a responsibility. And, and I guess kind of, you know, my, my, that's not even my answer to it, but my, the way I approach this, it's basically, I put out a podcast and if someone is interested, they'll contact me, you know, they'll email me or they they, they listen first or they email me or whatever. So I I guess it kind of, it's actually, I never thought about it, but it's an interesting way of, of like finding the people who are interested without, like you said, like trying to hard, hard sell people on, on motorcycling. Cause I, I kind of in the same way. It's like, if, if someone comes up to me and they're like, Hey, what's this all about? I'd like to try it or, you know, whatever. Yeah. I'm very willing to talk to them, but I, I don't, you know, I, I don't like go to the deli and like go up to everyone. Hey, do you ride a motorcycle? You know, don't you want to? <laughs> kind of yeah, yeah. 
Um, and, and I think in, in partly cause that's not t- really my nature. I'm not a salesman by nature, but I think also because of that, like, you know, I think you kind of, you kind of have to get it. Like, you know, I, I, it, yeah, it's, it's a responsibility thing. Like I don't want to sell someone on doing this thing and then they get injured or something. It's like, it's gotta, it's gotta come from the individual first, I guess. So that's a, and, and that's well, an yeah. interesting point. And, and I also say like, you know, when I, I, I've been riding, you know, probably close to 20 years now. And it's like, I remember through the years thinking about that returning rider, like, Oh, that guy, he actually stopped riding for 10 mm. years. How the hell did he do it? You know, I mean, what, what was he thinking? You know, right, right, but, right. But as you really do put on a clear, you know, clear set of glasses and, and look at the, look at it, you know, it, it was probably a smart move because that person well, didn't have the conviction to follow through. They were busy with the kids and they did want to make sure that, you know, they didn't have that be the reason there was a problem in their family, you know, and um, they probably were busy doing other things. I mean, maybe they were into hockey and so they brought their kid through hockey. And if you have a kid in hockey, you're doing every weekend with that. And, you know, there's, yep. there's a lot of reasons why people come back to writing or do it later in life for this and that. Yeah. Um, but I think it's, you know, like your example, right? So when you started writing at your age, a little later, you said, well, I'm going to, I'm going to do this and I'm going to really get into it. And so you, you probably, you probably have more, I don't know, knowledge and just enjoyment and experience packed into your few years. And, you know, people that are just, three weekends a year for the last two decades have had. So, and, and, and I try not to judge other people's, um, you know, how how much, you know, who's more into it, me or these other people, or who's a better motorcyclist, because really if people are doing it, you know, they're, that's it. They're part of the group and they know what what most people don't know. And, um, yeah. And, and yeah, right. So if the, yeah, if they're enjoying it and they're doing their thing, that that's totally cool. The the one thing though, and that's something I've mentioned on on other episodes, is one of the one of the, I guess you could say a problem. The 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 problem I see, and and like one of the reasons I've taken the time to educate myself, and you know, it, it's obviously it's it's an ongoing thing, right? There is so much to learn about the sport. But, you know, I've read my books, you know, I've started, I'm doing your online course. I'm, I'm going to read your book when I'm done with the course. Like the thing in, in meeting different motorcyclists of, of all different like levels and experiences, number of years and whatever, is I, I just began to see or, or realize the fact that unfortunately a motorcycle, it, it, it's easy enough to learn to ride without requiring that you really understand what you're doing. You, you know what I'm saying? It, it's like, you, <laughs> yeah. you, you know, you, you do the MSF course and the MSF course is what it is. And it says what it is. Like mm-hmm. I, when I did the MSF course, they did not say to me, Hey Chris, okay, you're good to go. You know, get out on the expressway, you know, on Long Island expressway and deal with the traffic at, at 75 miles an hour. They, they did not say that, <laughs> you know, yeah. they said, they said very well done on passing all of these drills and things in the parking lot here, you know, mm-hmm. good, good job. Um, but, but, you know, it's like, and, and it's not like I think to, to be a good or safe rider, you have to understand, you know, um, you know, motorcycle geometry, you don't have to understand all the physics. You don't have to understand all the things about suspension, but you know, I think people, people are they're doing themselves a favor if they educate themselves enough to really kind of know 
really like what they're doing, like way beyond. And that's one of the things I like about Fast Eddie, you know, with Moto Jitsu, you know, he says when you do like MSF or total control, like the starting course, that's like your eighth grade education in motorcycling. He's like, now, just like in any subject you would study, okay, now, you know, graduate high school and then go to college and, you know, get your master's and get your PhD and whatever. And that's one of the reasons, right, that he, he pushes, you know, doing further training and stuff like that because there, there is so much more to know. So, anyway, I, I guess what, long story short, what I'm trying to say is, um, like, same thing. Like, I, I appreciate people that love motorcycles and ride motorcycles i just want to encourage and that's like why i love having someone like you on the show because i want to encourage people to continue that education process and really learn to master the motorcycle you know and and the more you do that the safer it becomes it's never going to be zero risk right but the safer it becomes and the less riskier it is the 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 msf has a, a a quote or whatever a slogan that says the more you know the better it gets and I think that's the most truest statement in motorcycling. And when I teach coaching tours, uh, when I do the advanced uh, cornering confidence things that I'm teaching people, uh, I will hear experienced riders, riders with 20 years experience or more, recite for me what they t- were taught in their basic rider course when they took it. And for some reason, they, you know, there's a, there's much that is still correct. Okay. From the fundamentals, when you get into advanced courses, but we do throw some things out the window and they will still kind of hold on to some really, really basic things or say really basic things. Yet. I know that's not what they're doing in the corners because it they couldn't be doing that if they're going faster paced or whatnot. And, and, what we're saying here is that people should get more training or more instruction. I don't, I hate to call it training. I Mm. I call it the T word. Um, Anything safe training. I I try to run from those words because, um, you know, people don't like the word training in in, in general. They think that they're, they're not good at something. So they have to take training and also Mm. Mm -hmm. safe. People don't get on a motorcycle to, to be safe in their mind. They want to be like, you know, like the wind out there. And so, we there is research that does show that the more training somebody gets, the more dangerous they become. Whereas, if someone knows how to ride faster, they're going to go faster, right? And so, um, unfortunately, there's a lot of research that shows the training itself doesn't really translate into much safer numbers as far as like less crashes. I mean, they're having a really hard time. You listen to anybody talk about following the crash statistics over the years, not even the best professionals can really put a finger on why the trends go up and down. And one of the things I've always focused on with cornering confidence is I always say that you take my class, you read my book because I want you to have more enjoyment in safety. Okay. Mm -hmm. Or, Or enjoyment because what I think motorcycle training can really offer people is more enjoyment, better control of their motorcycle. And if they're, if they're enjoying things, they're not anxious. If they're in control of their motorcycle, then they will ultimately not have mishaps. So I, so that's my philosophy on it. Whereas the, the training community 
really, really does have a difficult time connecting the dots between what the training is, 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 is having an effect on crashes because there's so many other factors involved with, with the, the numbers, like the number mm-hmm. of registrations. I mean, you're going to see j- just based off of this coronavirus, we're going to see a huge drop probably in fatalities and crashes in 2020 based right. off of, if you look at 2019 data and 2021 data, um, we're probably going to see a dip, right? So wouldn't training organizations want to say, you know, hey, see, we it, whatever we did in training in 2020 was good. We got to keep doing it. But really, there's so many external factors. It's hard to really put that finger on it. And so I sort of take myself out of that um, equation of, of, of promising someone that they're going to have less problems. I wanted to promise them they're going to be a better rider. They're going to enjoy their riding more. And because of that more control and confidence, they're probably going to be um, safer in the end. But, but really when it comes down to it, if someone is, if someone's very, very good in the twisties and they do it on public roads or in the country, it doesn't take much for there to be a problem for that person. And whereas, you know, a lot of times I'll take a look at the bar hoppers on the Harleys. They're drinking and they're going bar to bar, you know, and right. they're, they have T-shirts on and half helmets. And in a lot of these these states I go through, they're not even wearing helmets, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think to myself, well, they're going very slow around the turns. They're probably just taking it easy. They're barely leaning the motorcycle into turns. So their biggest problem is if they, you know, a deer comes out or if they're drunk and they don't make the turn or whatever. And so, so those people are at risk, but speeding is another big problem, a big high risk factor that they find in crashes. Okay. So if someone is wicking it up in the, on the countryside, you know, through the mountains, you know, what is, what is really more dangerous? You know, they're, it's hard to say. You cannot say. So mm-hmm. I try again. I try not to look at the the bar hopping crowd. Don't look, I don't want to look down at them as saying, hey, look at how risky they are. Because, you know, if, if we go on a sport ride on any given Sunday, you know, it farm vehicles can be around any turn. There right, could be sure. there's this time this time of year, there's lots of gravel. And um, I actually I have been doing a lot of thinking about this. And so um, you know, pe- people, people will take different risks. And if they, like, for example, the helmet thing, you know, they, I guess they found out when people wore helmets, they rode more recklessly because they felt invincible, you know, that kind mm-hmm. of thing. So it's, uh, that it's interesting you mentioned that. Cause I have mentioned in, you know, in the past that I, I it's something I realized early on, like I, I would put on, you know, cause I, I make a point of wearing decent gear and, um, you know, when I, when I first kind of got, cause when I first started out, you know, it was just simple stuff, right? I was just getting going and not spending a lot of money, you know, and then I got a, you know, a decent helmet. And so I went from the half helmet to the modular helmet, you know, I got a jacket with, you know, padding and the whole stuff. And I, I just remember the first couple of times putting the stuff on, you know, like you put the jacket on, you put the helmet on. It's like, wow, like I feel invincible. Yeah. You know, it's like, yeah. I'm putting my, I'm putting my armor, like my superhero outfit on. And yeah. I, I had to kind of remind myself like, whoa, 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 tone it down, dude. It's like, yes, you're protecting yourself. That's good. But, but let's not assume things that are not appropriate. And, and not, not to, to 
to dive off in another direction, but just because I follow racing, it, it was interesting because yesterday, was yesterday, yesterday, I watched a, um, uh, what do you call it, Instagram Live. First, actually, was with the guys from Sport Bike, Sport Bike Track Gear, because okay. um, they, they were talking with a guy from Alpenstars who was talking about the, the tech air stuff, the airbags and stuff that, that Alpenstars provides. But then it segued into the STG guys talking to Josh Heron. Um, who who wears Alpenstar gear? He's got like Alpenstar suit and you know the the Tech Air airbag and whatever. What was interesting, and and I'm not saying that people should take this advice or anything or like make any decisions, especially on street riding. But what he said was, when he, because at, at first he was reluctant to wear an airbag, like a, a couple of years ago. It took him a couple of years before he was willing to try it out because he felt it would be too restrictive. It would be harder to move on the motorcycle. You know, he wouldn't be able to control the bike the way he wanted. But once when when he tried the airbag suit the first time, he actually like he he, he found he was breaking his his lap times. Like he, he actually he was he, he was riding he was riding faster because he felt more yeah in, invulnerable. Now that, yes. that's kind of the flip side of what I'm saying. And again, I'm not suggesting for street riders they think that way, right. but that was interesting. Yeah, well, it is good to be confident in your gear. You know that it's going to sure. hold up. I mean, I've worn some pretty lame gear. I mean, there's there's motorcycle gear, quote unquote, um, that barely passes for you know uh, casual wear, you know. But um, but yeah, but I, I guess when you first start out riding, we just tell people, obviously in the MSF course, you know, start with a good jacket and gloves and mm-hmm. a good helmet, and kind of work your way to the to the more. Um, specific things like riding pants but you you really people really ought to be spending money on gear if they're if if they're the type of rider that would buy my book or take my online course or coaching tour they're the type of rider that really needs to be in mid-level to high-level gear um you know something that isn't just the cheapest thing you can wear um just because the odds of of something going wrong at some point i mean there there are animals where people like to ride um in the twisties right i mean so you could be the best rider the most smart rider the most restricted and and mature rider even at a sport touring pace and still some unknown could happen and so we have to you know we tell the the students in the msf and it's general knowledge. You dress for the slide, not the ride. Mm-hmm. And, um, it also can make you much more comfortable, you know, but, um, but one, one piece of gear that a lot of people don't wear is uh, the Liat neck brace. There's the STX road neck brace. And you, you see a lot of dirt bike riders wearing this. Um, I've been wearing the Liat neck brace. I don't usually wear it commuting and things like that, but if I'm going to be on like a sport riding day, um, I will wear the Lee at neck brace. And, you know, I don't know anybody else that wears one. I've never seen anybody else wear one, mm-hmm. but I don't even really know it's on. And I just feel it's going to give me, you know, a little bit more protection. Uh, if my head were to go in different directions, you know what I mean? Right. Um, and so, but, but gear is a relative thing. It, you know, whatever someone's comfortable with, you know, they should probably be wearing, but good gear is, is so worth it. Um, but it's very hard to tell someone that if, 
you know, they don't have the, you know, can't afford it or, um, you know, they haven't been down to really know people take their chances. I mean, I'll take my chances sometimes. And if I go to, um, you know, the coffee shop, I might wear a regular pair of jeans, mm-hmm. you know, right. to, to the coffee shop. I mean, I, there was an old timer, he passed away, but, um, that I was kind of learning from through the years. And, you know, he, he was a really good sport rider and he would wear arrow stitch, you know, and, and he told me, he said, John, he goes, you crash in jeans once you'll never ride in jeans again, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it kind of stuck with me. I, I, you know, I guess most people, people involved in whatever motorcycle education or helping people get started, you know, do the same thing. But I guess that's one of my goals is, and like that's kind of the reason Fast Eddie exists, right? If you look at his purpose and what he does is, you know, it's basically to get people to take a look at that so that they've got the gear before that happens. You know, I I, I hate I hate to see it that, that people learn that way. You know, there's some things it's kind of interesting, right? When it comes to learning and experience. And, and in fact, it's something that you mentioned in like the online course, right? And is it I'm trying to think, is it confidence that you said it comes from knowledge and experience? Did yeah. I get that right? Yeah. Okay. Um, which, which I agree with, um, you know, is very, very true. It's like there's, you know, there's the knowing and the understanding, but then there's the actual doing of it and seeing like what doesn't, doesn't work kind of thing. And there, there are things that really only come through and you really only learn through experience, but you know, it's a kind of thing like, you know, you, you don't want the kid to have to touch the hot stove to learn. You don't touch the hot stove. Right. So it's right. like, you know, yeah. how do you get that across to people? You know, and, and I guess in part, it's just by talking about things and sharing things. Um, you know, one one of the stories I had come across early on when I started riding in just in, you know, in my quest to just learn and educate myself was, uh, I don't know if you've heard of her, this woman, the road rash queen. Oh, um, no, ever. Okay. So her, actually I should probably have her on the podcast sometime, but her, her basic story is her, her thing now is she, she tours around, she's probably written a book, but her thing is to get people to wear proper gear when they're motorcycling because her experience was she was, I don't know, dating or met a guy that had a sport bike. Uh, and it was one of these, Hey, you want to go for a ride? And she's like, sure, I'll go for a ride. And so he gave her I don't know, a modular helmet. He had, you know, that was his extra helmet for his passenger or whatever. So she puts on the modular helmet. She had the top flipped up, you know, and, and the typical, right? Like passenger riding gear, like, you know, shorts and a tank top. And I, I don't know exactly, you know, you, you can go find her on, on YouTube or whatever, you know, internet and, and, and actually watch, you know, see what she has to say. I don't know all the details of it. But so basically before she knows what's happening, you know, she stops on the back of the bike and he takes off and quickly gets up to 150 miles an hour. She doesn't even have the helmet closed, right? The, mod, the front of the modular helmet down. The wind catches the modular helmet and just she flies off the back of the bike. So she skids across the pavement at a over 100 miles an hour and then whatever you know you can go see her whole story about what happened to her and the skin grafts and all the stuff that she had to do you know to recover from the injury but um what's my point you know i guess my point is it's like that's just tragic like that there's there's no reason that should have happened this is no reason you know one it wasn't a lot of common sense for her but the the rider of the bike it's like you know come on (laughs) And who knows, he, you know, maybe to this day he doesn't ride, you know, who knows that, that part of yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I think I might've heard of that person before. Um, yeah, she, she had pictures of her road rash and she, she was on a mission sort of, um, 
it, it's it's just a shame, you know, that that I mean to to do that to. I guess if it's you, like you ever see these guys doing wheelies down the expressway in a in a yep. <clears throat> in a tank top and yep, and they yep. go down, you know, okay, that guy's not gonna, you know, he's gonna have a couple layers of skin peeled off, but it yeah. was his decision, you yeah, know what I mean? Him. Whereas whereas uh, some girl wanting to get in the back of a, of a bad boy's bike, you know, and and they end up, you know, there there's this one video on um, you know, it's called How to Dump Your Girlfriend or something like that. Guy does a wheelie and his, his girl falls off the back, you know, okay, a motorcycle right. or not. You know, it it just makes you say, "Oh, geez, well, hey, you know what? Life's about choices, and hopefully, mm-hmm. those girls learn." Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, that's that's another but, yeah, experience, I mean, right? From from something negative, she turned it into a positive, and she probably has made a difference. I'm I'm sure she has. And that and that's the thing I like about that story. You know, what happened to her is horrible. But, you know, I, I always love situations like that because it's a kind of thing that caves some people in. You know, some, sometimes something like that happens to a person. And depending on the individual and their personality, they just give up on life. You know, here's an example where she decided to turn it into to something positive. So, yeah. 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 So um, so in terms of the, the book and, and your course. So the, the title cornering confidence, like, uh, it's a great title, but like where, how did you get to it? Like, you know, is it just kind of the first thing you thought of? Did you go through a couple other possible names before you got there? Yeah. Um, I, I talked a little bit earlier about when I first started my, my school, I, I was, I said, let me do a traffic course and then a cornering course because, you know, those were the the two biggest problems people had, right? So you got the, the right away violations and, and hurting the, the two the multi-vehicle crashes. And then the, the corners were where people screwed up. And so I wanted to kind of go take it to the next level. And uh, so in, in 2015, it's, it's kind of a story that not a lot of people probably know, but um, in, in 2015, I got together with my mentor and boss. He, he ran the uh, local MSF site and I had said, Hey, let me buy your school from you. You know, let me, let me buy the, the training um, program. And uh, cause I'm a high school teacher, but I'm a, I work outside of school and I was going to try to do this on the side, you know? And, uh, and you know what he said? He goes, Hey, why don't you start your own school? You know? So really my friend Ron is probably the catalyst behind all of this. When he just put, he planted the seed. Why don't I start my own school? Mm-hmm. Now, of course, I'm not going to, have an MSF site teaching the basics. And I told you earlier, I, you know, I wanted to maybe free myself from teaching, you know, what the clutch was and that kind of stuff and yeah. do something a little bit more advanced. And so that's where the, I, I zeroed in the cornering in the traffic courses. And so I ended up going through the process to get AMA promoter charter certified uh, because to get sanctioning and insurance for these types of events, you need, you know, someone to help you with that. And the AMA came through because they sanction and insure uh, their promoters and their charters and that kind of thing. And so I became a New York state licensed driving school to teach cars and motorcycles. Um, that is not an easy task, uh, but I, I, I was able to do that. So street skills is actually a New York state driving school, licensed driving mm-hmm. school. Okay. But um, because I wanted to get myself in a position to teach these coaching tours. And so the first in 2015, I did my first set of coaching tours um, out of the local BMW dealership that that has now um, closed its doors. But uh, that was my 
my first step into this. And so I'm going to take people on these tours. And I, I did it. I had a rough curriculum at the time. And then in, you know, in 2015, I was hearing the BMW MOA, Motorcycle Owners of America, they were having their big annual rally in Hamburg, New York, which is my backyard. It's an hour from my house. And I know the general area and I know the good roads there. And I, I made a pitch to them to teach um, these coaching tours at their rally. They said, John, we'd love to have you. And so they did the promotion for it. And I think I got, I filled up the 24 spots, had 24 um, on a waiting list. And I did three full days of these tours and where they were just four hour tours morning and an afternoon. So I did six tours over three days of four people in each tour. And I'm telling you, it was pretty exhausting, but it really sort of propelled what I was doing. And all the while I am now refining the curriculum. I got, I ditched the traffic class because I'm like, listen, I got to get ready for these, these, these 24 BMW riders next summer, you know? So I mm -hmm. developed the curriculum to focus more on the cornering because really that's what riders are interested in. They want to, they, they can self-identify the need for, for cornering skill improvement. And um, so of course I did those tours from the rally site. Then in 2017, they were in Utah, Salt Lake City. So I went out to Salt Lake City, again, sold out the courses. And then the uh, in 2018, they were in uh, Des Moines, Iowa, where I nearly sold out the courses as well. And um, in, I also, for the first three years, 15, 16, and 17, I did the New York safety track. Um, I took my curriculum to a track, but that was quite difficult um, to get the numbers because street riders aren't really going to sign up for a track day more than once. So I had to try to get 20 or 30 people to sign up. It was kind of tough. Yeah. So, so all the while throughout these years, I have my curriculum 15, 16, 17, 18, whatever, but it wasn't refined yet. It wasn't, you know, it was still, um, had holes in it. You know, and so what was really nice about the experience was through teaching the classes, I was able to get feedback from students. I was able to have discussions with students to find out where their problems were in this and that. And I, my ultimate goal was to get the curriculum into a book um, that is now Cornering Confidence. So what, what is in this Cornering Confidence book is my lesson plans. It starts with objectives gives you some knowledge and then it shows you what techniques to do and then says go out on your own motorcycle and do these these exercises through 12 chapters and at the end you're hopefully going to have mastered this method I have come up with based on um my I guess experiences training from various sources and that kind of thing and so uh the book then came you know was published and actually this week uh August 26th uh, of 2018, almost two years ago to the day, my mother bought the first book off Amazon. <laughs> and cool. so um, my goal was to sell three books a day. And I've, I've been, I've, I'm at that goal. I've been, you know, I'm, I'm probably over like 2,100 books in two years. And, you know, that may not sound like a lot of books, but, you know, to me, just to know that 2,100 people have at least taken a peek at what I've written, that that may have 
help them in some way, you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, and so that's sort of where we are now. So the book was made and that took a little bit more pressure off of me, maybe having to do the, the coaching tours and the track days to teach my curriculum. Now I could give a book to someone, you know, but books and even the online course can be impersonal. It, it's, you know, there's, it's a, it's sort of like a one way communication device basically. Yep. Yep. So what I'm interested in doing now is, is having people take the course online, read the book, and then hopefully meet with me in person so we can just ride, enjoy our time together, not exchange money at the meet at the meetups, if you will. Um, talk about things. I, I just did a Zoom tonight uh, before our discussion where I've been meeting with students, um, book readers and online course students. Uh, we've been having Zoom meetings and talking about the skills. They're asking all kinds of questions and I'm working real hard to give that two-way communication. Uh, and I just, I really like the model. I think it's going to work very well for people because the online course is very inexpensive. Um, and, you know, in you know relation to many other types of training. And, um, you know, if you take the model of CPR training, for example, um, when I get CPR trained, I usually do the online course and then I go, you know, do this, the actual compressions for an hour or two at the Red Cross building. And I sort of look at what I'm doing now. The new model I'm tr- sort of working on is a very similar thing. Let people chew through the information, think through the information at their own pace. And then through contacting with me, they can clarify, um, you know, points or we can work together, ride together, you know, at, at certain events and things like that. And so I, I'm really excited about it because, um, you know, it, it's, it's more of a, I, I want to say a relaxing way to, run a school because it's, it can be a very stressful thing. I mean, if you were to, um, ask people who do motorcycle training right now in a live form, they're, they're on hold for these, the, the this month or two. I mean, I, yeah. I'm taking the American super camp. They just got pushed off. Mm-hmm. Um, they moved my class back to the end of May. And so my, you know, live in-person training probably around the world right now is on hold. Yet my online course is available to anybody that right now that wants to do it. And it could be wintertime. It could be that, you know, that hiatus off the motorcycle because you're, you know, having a child or whatever. But um, I'm just really excited about having a very unique um, position in the motorcycle education, motorcycle instruction, coaching, whatever you want to call it. Um, but the centerpiece, Chris, I think to, to kind of wrap this answer up here, this, you know, what I'm saying is, um, the coring confidence program method, whatever is, it's supposed to be a sort of a shortcut to get people to use trail braking and some other, uh, good techniques, advanced techniques to help them have more confidence and enjoyment and ultimately safety in the corners. That's um, the goal. It's not supposed to be an encyclopedic book. It's not supposed to be the end all be all on science uh, of motorcycling. Um, mm-hmm. I'll leave that up to the Lee Parks of the world, the Nick Inaches, the right. Reg Pritmores, and you know, those guys, I- I'll let them, um, you know, tell you exactly what's happening where these guys are the ultimate professionals. They've dedicated their lives to this. 
And as much as I've dedicated my time um, to this, I am also a high school teacher and I have a family. And, and so this is, um, you know, I don't have the, the resources, I guess, if you will, from time and that kind of thing and experiences that they might have had to do those encyclopedic things, nor do I really want to. I mean, right. I don't, you know, in the book I talk about, um, right in the beginning, I say, look, I'm, I'm going to talk about science only when I have to <laughs> explain a scientific thing. And I'll try mm -hmm. to do it in layman's terms. Try not to beat me up on the science because it's there are people out there, out there that want to know why a bike counter steers physics behind it. Right. Now, the people, I will tell you one guy on YouTube, and I do love Fast Eddie. I'll talk about him in a second. But uh, this guy, Mike on Bikes, he he's mm -hmm. on YouTube. Yep. Yeah, I follow him too. His, his videos are unbelievable. They're yep. just, and you can go back and see his earlier videos. But he has a way of explaining what's happening on a motorcycle um, like no one else I've seen. And I just love his videos. And you know what the best thing is? When I watch his videos... And I hear what he says, and I recall what I put in my book, in it because I'm always using other people like him as a benchmark. Did I say the right thing? Am I telling the right thing? And mm -hmm. when I watch Mike on bikes, and I see some of these other people, and I listen to Nick Einach, and they say something that validates what I've, you know, proposed in my book or what I have, you know, promoted or whatnot, I'm always always, always self-evaluating. Is this a true, is this based on sound theory, this book in layman's terms? And so mm -hmm. that's the general idea. Now, a couple of times you've said you, you, you know, you've started the book, you're into this and that. I would like to point out, Chris, it's not one of those books or online courses that it's really required that you burn through it. it it's okay to sit on chapter one, Think about chapter one, you know, then in, because at the end of every chapter, there's something people should work on on the bike. And, and you know, of course, in the winter or during a, a lockdown or whatever, people can breeze through it um, or go through the online course straight, you know, from from top to bottom. But the book is also meant to take very slowly and to to not move on until the the exercises in the book are sort of met because they all build on each other you know so oh yeah no sure that that makes sense so i mean I, i'll i'll tell you kind of kind of how you know my my approach to it is you know one like like i had said to you in the past i wanted to have a sense of what corner and confidence was all about before we talk so i was coming from you know viewpoint of some knowledge about it but yeah. my my and, and i remember you know because we've been emailing back and forth for for quite some time and i remember you had said you know there's no need to rush through and, and i i agree and i get that my approach to it is kind of like i wanted to like so I, like i said i'm on chapter 10 is it 10 or 12 chapters in the online course 10 there's 12 12. Okay. So, so I'm, I'm on 10, you know, near, nearly through the online course. It was like, I want to just kind of go through, cause you know, remember I, you know, I'm, I'll never say I'm an expert rider, not yet, but I've got, I've got experience and you know, somewhat educated as a rider. So it's like, let me kind of go through and absorb the whole thing, which, which has been really good. And we can talk a little bit more about that if you want. Um, and then, and, and cause I've been, what I really like about the course, well, I, I like the whole course period, but I like how, you know, you, you have the sections of action items where you're like, okay, good. So we covered this material. Now 
here's like your homework kind of, right? Like here's the action items to go out, the things to practice to make sure you're you're actually understanding, right? That the things that you're talking about in, in the chapters leading up and then that you've got the ability to download, you know, the action items. Because at first it was funny. I, I've been uh, I've been doing the course like, you know, in bed at night, you know, before, before I go to sleep or whatever on my phone, which works great too. Like, I don't know, maybe most people yeah. do it on a computer, but I've been doing it on the phone, which is great. Um, and I was screenshotting stuff. I'm like, okay, great points. I want to remember this. And then I got to the first time where it's like, here's the, the action items to download. So, so now that's what I'm doing. Um, so that I've got those as kind of a checklist of things. But my plan, the point I'm getting to is to go back to the beginning and then go through step by step and like actually do the action items kind of, you know, in, in that order kind of thing. So. Yeah. One of the things that, you know, I've learned over the years, and I think if you're an experienced writer, you, you will kind of get this too. You, and I, and I talk about this sort of in the book, if I were to go back and read total control after reading it like 10 years ago, I would pick up something different. Yeah. Um, because you're, your experience level has to intersect with a piece of knowledge. So if you, if you were to read, let's say total control once and then read it three or four years later, after having more experience or doing different things, another nugget might knock loose from the book. And so, you know, my perspective is you can't just read a book or, something once and be like, well, I covered it good. Now I know what to do in it. And that's it. Now I'm not saying go back and read every, you know, total control over again a million times. So you'll learn from it. But the point is there, there's things in that book that maybe wouldn't have made a whole lot of sense to me my first year, or I would have discounted it um, because I wouldn't have seen the value or I would have been like, well, I don't quite get it. I'm not going to think about it much now, but then that same writer five years down the road might now understand something a little bit differently. I'll give you a quick example. Trail breaking um, for many years, I thought was just dragging your rear brake into a turn, Mm -hmm. which technically that is trail breaking because you're using your brakes past the turning point. Okay. Right. Yeah. But that when I ask, when I ask people in my coaching tours, I, I ask them, you know, what's trail breaking? That's what they say in, in many cases. You know, I will, I'll have them recite what's in the book. Trail breaking is not, is not rear brake only. It's using the front brake. And, and they're, they kind of like squint their eyes or they look at me kind of funny. And, and so, you know, again, pe- people might go through, you know, five, ten years of thinking that something is something uh, when it's not. I actually had a... um a pretty bad review of the online course and book. I'll be talking about a little bit in my newsletter coming out later this week. Um, But this one person discounted the whole course because they said my science was flawed because a motorcycle suspension squats when you give it acceleration. Okay. Because I say that the rear, the, the, I say that when you roll on the throttle, it extends the, um, rear suspension. It actually lifts right. the seat up. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, if you don't <clears throat> believe that, I actually went to my garage. I took my DRZ and I pushed it up against the wall and I videoed it and I gave it gas and I, the rear end lifted up, you know, and I, I actually t- went and looked at Mike on bikes again. And he talks about the same thing. And 
um, generally speaking. Um, you know, and so, uh, you know, there, here's a person that has all kinds of experience, but they may they may believe something that the rear end that the suspension compresses, and it might to a certain degree under certain circumstances, but they believe something. This person, I think, is probably they said they were riding for 50 years and had all kinds of training. They were strutting all their credentials before they gave the review, mm-hmm. but they they were you know basically said the whole thing's garbage because of you know this one thing that they disagreed with that was wrong, right. and you know so. I just think it's important that we're we're inquisitive about something we hear. And if we hear something that doesn't make sense, don't necessarily discount that, you know? And and so um I guess that's that. Yeah, no, I mean that that makes a lot of sense. That's why, you know, I put put the trouble into like thinking things through like wh- whatever it is whatever you know if i'm reading lee parks or um whatever you know uh keith code or you know your book or whatever it's like yeah i mean like i, I you know let's i read it and then it's like okay so i, I think with it like instead of just a, adopting it as okay this is true and if, you know very well may be true right but it's like kind of putting putting it to the test first mentally it's like thinking it through and like okay how does this kind of work but then actually trying it out which which then again comes back to what you were saying about confidence being the knowledge and the experience right it's like having the knowledge but then experiencing does this does it work this way for you so uh, yeah it, it's kind of a shame that the guy did the review that way you know but whatever yeah. you, you know you're, you're gonna you're, you're gonna have that stuff right it's like what's well, gonna yeah you know, I'm, I'm gonna what, talk what, about what, it in my what, newsletter yeah, what what you know what matters is what what your students are getting out of what you've done, and if they're if they're yeah. benefiting and they're like, hey, I'm a better rider, I'm a more confident rider, I enjoy my riding more. Well, guess what? You you won. So you know, it's like well, here's the thing, uh, Chris. To, you know, to understand me, right? I'm a I, I take things to heart, right? I'm I'm like a, I'm a human being like everybody else, but sure, uh, nobody likes to be told they're wrong, mm-hmm. and. But I'll tell you this, throughout this whole process from 2015 on, actually, even when I became a coach, um, when I first, probably my first writing experience ever, you know, I had been hearing people criticize certain things. And, but if I didn't, especially from 2015, when I designed this curriculum, I would post things on um, the internet. I would post videos. I would get people challenging me. I had good friends challenge me. When I, you know, uh, guys I ride with and, and that, that know a little bit about science and things. And it was a tough pill to swallow when they said, John, you're wrong. This, what you're saying is incorrect. And you mean, really, I got to change everything. It can't be partially right. No, it's wrong, John. Yeah. And that was, that was difficult. But like when someone calls me out, I just, I get to the bottom of it. So I either, figure out that I am right on the subject and I validate what I'm saying or I change my mind. That mm-hmm. That is how Cornering Confidence came to be. Everything in that book is based off of sound, um, you know, principles. It, there's, it, it's, there's no fluff. There's no what I think, um, you know, just willy-nilly. I've really thought deeply about um, the information in there and it's because people challenge me 
And um, I've had to research that topic to make sure that I wasn't giving people a bunch of BS. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I don't mind um, the criticisms because I think those are good. I just think that, you know, the, the, the two recent ones were sort of, I thought, a little bit out of line, you know. But, um, but you know, it happens. I'm sure that the biggest people in our industry have been told, you know, they suck. So Sure. Sure. Absolutely. I mean, uh, I can't think of specific examples and maybe he talks about it in the book, but you know, I don't like re- reading Keith Code's book, you know, twist of the wrist and whatever. Um, there, there's, well, actually, uh, yeah. In fact, the, um, what is it called? The no bullshit bike or something. Right. right. It's kind of interesting because, um, you know, and, and listeners who haven't listened to that episode, the interview I did with Keith Code, check it out because it, it was some really interesting things in there. But one of the things we talked about, right, this whole thing about counter steering, and uh, like there are people to this day who will argue that you know c- counter steering isn't really a thing, right? That has nothing to do with anything. Um, they'll they'll say that it has to do, um, you know, with uh, le- leaning leaning the mo- you know leaning the the bike is how you actually turn. And so he developed this no, I think that's what he calls it, the no bullshit bike, where yeah. basically there there's 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 two sets of handlebars. There's one connected, you know, normally like you would have to the front wheel, and then there's yeah. another one which is mounted to the frame that that does not turn. And so he gets people on that motorcycle, and you 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 hold those rigid handlebars, and he's like, okay, take off and turn this thing. <laughs> And people can they lean and throw their body off the bike as much as they want. You cannot turn it until you grab the actual handlebars and you counter steer. And guess yeah. what? The thing turns. So yeah, yeah. No, it's of, interesting because there's interesting. You know, I think that it goes back. Like I'm thinking code and maybe Pridmore or so. I don't know who some other expert. I don't want. Don't quote me on this, but the the experts do kind of have this little rivalry going between their their particular teachings. Mm-hmm. And and I think that one there there's this body steering versus the handlebar steering, which, you know, it's both really. That's that's my perspective, especially in the book. It's you're going to counter steer to initiate the turn, but body positioning can help facilitate the turn. Yeah, and 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 to your point, I know like one because that's one of the things I was looking at in the online course, right, where you talk about the um, shoulder shoulder slide, I think, right, and and Shifting, moving. Yeah. Mo- Shit, you know, shoulder shift, Move, moving your upper body, right, as as a way to control, you know, some degree of steering change of line in the curve. And and that makes sense to me. Um, the, the point I was getting to with the no bullshit bike is um, just, you know, how it's kind of like what you were saying as you've developed and refined your materials. It's like take the thing and look at it and see like someone challenges you. It's like, OK, yeah. So then go see and try the challenge and see, decide for yourself, are they right or they're not? And I, I think it's cool, right? If, if you, if you come to the conclusion, they're right, then you, you change your material. But like, I don't, I don't think anyone could ask any more of someone, you know what I mean? It's like sometimes, you know, we're human, right? We're not, we're not right all the time. That'd be really nice. I'd love to be right all the time. But as long as you're right more often than you're wrong, <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? And, and you're willing to change and adjust. Hey, that, I think that's all well, you let can me ask give you, Now what I've decided to do, um, is I want to learn how to do something completely different. So I sound, signed up for American Super Camp. Um, mm-hmm. I got, you know, Fast Eddie's got an effect on me, you know. Yeah, um, you go hang, so hang out with him. That. I, I bought a Supermoto DRZ just like his, okay. Um, and I we have a cart track locally. We have a one-mile track just opened up in Syracuse. And 
these are good tracks for learning supermoto style like that mike on bikes he does a lot of mm-hmm. supermoto um yeah. talks a lot about that and I've listened to, you know, um, Fast Eddie talked. He interviewed Lee Parks, this uh, SoCal Supermoto guy. And I'm so excited to learn a totally different style of riding. And I think that that just is, again, it's a testament to there is no right or wrong way to do this. There's only the better way for you to do this. And you, mm-hmm. you, you can't be told what your better way to do. For example, let me give you a quick example. I had a guy come to my track day course at New York Safety Track, and he was very direct, and I appreciated his comments. As a matter of fact, he had introduced me more to, um, he said, you know, the traction pie might be a better way to explain certain things. Now, that traction pie feedback from him made its way into my whole program, okay? Mm-hmm. Now, um, he also was saying when I when I was talking about steering, he kept insisting that Lee Parks teaches in total control to just steer with your inner arm and let the outer arm just kind of be limp or whatnot or not or just go with the flow. And he's like, you should really teach that, you know. It's like, and I, I said to myself, you know, I I read that in total control. I tried that. I didn't like it. Okay, I personally don't like just having the one arm. Now that he has, the, I think the reason behind Lee Parks doing that is you can he can you can isolate learning how to to, to counter steer if you do that better. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah. but but I but I'm leaving that I'm shutting the door on that is something important, right? So in cornering confidence, I have cherry picked the techniques from the pros that I've learned from what I like in a formula for that, this type of writing. See, so someone might read the book, see that part of the formula with this and that or whatever, how to do this or how to do that and say, you know what? No, I'd really rather pull in this thing. I learned from this other professional on how to move my body. I understand what he's saying with the brake throttle transition secret weapon, John, but um, I, I think that the body position thing, I'd rather do this other thing. And so only you, the writer, can pick what is your favorite recipe. What I've right. tried to do with Cornering Confidence is propose a simple method. Like, again, one of these um, harsh criticisms lately, you know, was I was very light. The book read like a Cliff's Notes. And, um, you know, the guy was saying it like this wasn't a good thing. You know, and I'm thinking to myself... You know, if it was 78 pages, because that's when I finished it. I mean, if I was finished at 54 or 178, you know, that would have been it. But I tried to condense, you know, 20 years of writing, 15 years of coaching, five years of doing my own school into 78 pages, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's, you know, and that's the result of this book. It's not, it's supposed to be, like I said, a how to you know, sort of um, abridged version to get you where you got to be in under right. the method that I've chosen. So that's, you know, like I said, some people aren't going to like certain things about the book, I'm sure, or, you know, but, but again, it works together in concert and it's very well thought out. Yeah. 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 It, it's actually, it's interesting that you mentioned that because one of the things I was going to mention, and, and like I said, I haven't, I haven't read your book yet, but you know, f- for sure, because I have read so many different things, much much of what you talk about in the online course i'm i'm familiar with like i was familiar with already 
but the thing the thing I like about the course is how how you've tied it all together, right? And and um actually for 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 people who are interested in your course, right? I think the first two chapters are are free, right? From available right. on your website so people can yeah. check it out. And and at the end we'll talk about the affiliates program and whatever and you know I'll have links in the podcast show notes so people can find your website and everything. But anyway, the 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 thing I really like about the the course that you put together is just how it all kind of flows together, you know, because you've got, okay, so, so here's the information, you know, and, and I like the, the, you know, it's like the video of you in the corner, which is nice too, because it personalizes. It's like, so John Del Vecchio is telling me this stuff and you kind of pull up a slide and you go through the, the, the points, you know, whatever the, the technique is or the information to be learned. Um, so if the person absorbs that and then, you know, at some point, sometimes you've got demonstration videos that actually shows, you know, thing that was being talked about um you've got um the 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 little checkpoints or whatever like the little quiz feature which is good right because it's you you read everything now good now can you answer these questions you know did you get everything right or not um and then you know you've got like the action items and stuff so and and by the way i really like the music that you use that yeah you know that's a personal taste thing but I said yeah. to my girlfriend the other day, it's funny. I was like, yeah, I know. I just love that. It's really catchy music. I find myself like walking around the house going, and that little video clip you have. So at any rate, for me, I just like the way the whole thing goes together. And so even though, yes, I've been, I'm familiar with much of the stuff, there's definitely new things and we maybe won't get to talking about it tonight, but like the things that the thing you talk about, like os- learning or practicing oscillating right in a curve so that, you know, there, there's the, the ideal line through the corner and then there's the real world one. And then I want to like give away the materials and no, everything, right? Because yeah, people, fine, people, yeah. people, people, people should do the course for sure. But, but in addition to tying everything together, like, so it's, it's been a really good refresher for me, I guess, but also yeah. that you've got a different viewpoint and a different perspective and, I think that's the interesting thing about reading different books and studying, you know, the, the the offerings of different people that train and educate and whatever is it it doesn't always click under one person's approach. You know, sometimes you need someone else's viewpoint or wording or way of doing something or demonstrating. And it's like, oh, now I get it. You know, so one of the one of the you know, and I, I do appreciate you. Um, I guess acknowledging the continuity of the of the online course, the program. What what I'll quickly say about that here is, um, you know, again in one of these most recent reviews, it wasn't so great. The guy said, "Yeah, you could probably watch the guy's videos and get most of the things." He had a YouTube channel, this and that. And you know, one of when I was researching putting together an online course, the Thinkific.com site, the platform that I chose, um, they have training materials. You watch certain things and. I thought to myself, just like he would say in that review, you know, why, if this stuff is so, is it is so much free on YouTube? I mean, look what Fast Eddie's doing. Look what Mike on Bikes is doing. Look at, look what everybody's doing. Um, why would someone pay for something that is free? And so what, what their whole thing was, the answer to that question is you are promising a transformation that, Instead of going and watching random things that can help as tips in this, that might be worth free. You see what I mean? Watching YouTube videos. But to pay a few bucks for a transition is what people want. People will pay if it's sort of laid out for them and at the end 
they have developed a skill or learned something specific that they want. And I think that's why the course is selling and why people are, um, you know, enrolling in the course. And and you did mention the first two chapters are free. Um, there is good information in those chapters and really uh, it doesn't cost anybody anything. And, you know, I'm, I'm not even really just saying that because, oh, I know if you do the first two, you'll buy. But seriously, the things in there um that could be just enough for someone to take where they are in their development to become better and, and move up. So yeah. um, that's, you know, that's the general idea there. Yeah. And, and it's interesting too, what you said, because I know like, like my girlfriend, Gina, she, she likes fast Eddie too. Like, you know, we both like his stuff and she likes to watch his videos, but one, one of her things was she's like, like, it's good. Like, I like watching these videos and, you know, she follows them on Facebook too and they pop up or Instagram, but she's like, it's like, there's no continuity. It's like, I, I don't know how to go from this thing to this thing. And, and so to your point about, I guess what the, what's the name of the platform? Terrific. No, not Terrific. It's called Inter Thinkific. 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 Okay. Thinkific. That, they, yeah, that's one of those compound, you know, like they took different words and put it together. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But but the thing about, I guess, the point they were making and what you've put together in your course is it's that it's it's like the benefit of your years of experience. Right. Not, not only as a writer, but as an as an educator and then guiding someone like, you know, and, and again, you know, maybe there's other systems, there's other there's other people who will guide you. Right. But you you have a methodology that you develop. And right. it's like you start here and it guides you through and, yeah. and you feel like you're being guided and you know that you're going someplace. And and that's nothing against Fast Eddie. I, you know, I like what Fast Eddie does. But even though he has playlists on his YouTube channel, whatever for and it's it's interesting because she, she's going to do your course next because, you know, she's been listening, you know, because I, I do it, like I said, at night in the bedroom. And, and she's like, oh, what's that? You're, you know, what, what are you what are you doing there? So, uh, yeah, we, we've got her interest. So and, and I think, you know, a lot of what you talk about will help address some of the things she runs into as, as a writer. So so that'll be cool to see. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I certainly hope she enjoys it. And, you know, one of the things, too, I, you know, I'm not. Um, you know, uh, what is it offended or anything? If people don't want to take the course or I give the people access to the course, they don't want to take it, this and that. Because one of the things that I do understand is that I live cornering confidence every day of my life. Mm -hmm. Okay. But I am a sliver of a slice in the life of a motorcyclist. You know, right. like if you think about a motorcyclist's experience, you know, they're not going to take one book they read typically, and then they're going to think about that every single day of their motorcycling existence. You know, one of the things that I'm, I'm very aware of is that I'm a I'm a part, sometimes a small part, sometimes a bigger part in someone's motorcycling experience. And if that if, you know, I just understand where I my perspective on where I fit. And so I don't you know, I don't feel awkward or anything. People don't take advantage of it or do it or, you know, take their time to do it or whatever, because, um, I, I'm that way with other people's products and services and training. Mm -hmm. Sure. Sure. Um, and the thing too, I was going to say, you know, about how, you know, like you, you offer the first two, two chapters for free. Right. And, you know, so someone may go, Oh, that's just to entice me to, to, to buy or whatever. Well, yeah, it is. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, um, like that's, that's the model nowadays. Like it, it's, it's really interesting you know, for the most part. It's like, and and it, it works because 
you know, it, it's interesting, like guys that I've had on, like, uh, you know, I've interviewed Fast Eddie and uh, Dan Netting, right, who does uh, Life at Lean and, you know, some other people, um, you know, who have a social media presence and YouTube channels and whatever. There are, just like with your content, right, there are lots and lots of people who are just going to come look at what's for free. And that's fine. Like, it's there. It's available. It doesn't really cost you anything, you know, the publisher, like the, whoever's providing the right. content, right? But the the whole thing is, for people who are looking for more, that's such a better way to know what product they're getting themselves into, you know? And so, you know, the people just want free. So fine, look at it, whatever. And you never know, they'll tell somebody else and, you know, maybe they buy the thing. Um, but it's that opportunity to, to kick the tires, I guess, try before you buy, you know? And right. it's like, you know, so you, you get a little something for free. And if this aligns with what you're looking for, then yeah, why wouldn't you sign up and pay for the service? You know? So, Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the way I look at it is, I mean, I, I haven't really talked much about price. We we'll talk a little about that in a little while, but um, sure. I mean, it's fifty. It's fifty dollars for the course, the standalone, and it's sixty five with the book and course, mm -hmm. and it's basically, um, you know, you got a coach for life. It it never expires. You take the course as many times as you want. You revisit it here and there. Um, there's no rush, you know. And and I'm I, I tell people, like I said, I'm a coach for life, and. Um, I think that that's pretty reasonable when you think about, you know, how much money people spend just on a Saturday ride between gas and lunch and breakfast, you know what I mean? Or, or sure. the gear we spend it's, but there are other people's books and things and courses, right. That, that people might want to spend their money on. And so I do understand that people do have limited funds, but I have tried to price this thing, um, so that anybody could afford it. I mean, uh, I have students in high school, I'm a business elective teacher and, my one kid, he's a, he's big time on Facebook and he's doing marketing and he's making all kinds of money to senior. And I told him, I said, I'm, I think I'm the only guy selling this type of advanced motorcycling training course with cornering. He goes, why aren't you charging like double or $300? He goes, you should mm -hmm. be charging more because you're the only one that's doing it. And while in a textbook, that does make sense. You know, if you have a limited quantity of something, you should be raising the price right but again i w i would rather see it accessible i mean if you look at fast eddie's books i mean his books are ten dollars his books are you know they're right. they're they're nominal five dollars this and that mm -hmm. because it's the way to get your message out there and i think a lot of people do do what we do uh fast eddie and myself and others we do it more for i guess i guess the love of doing it you know um yeah, uh, labor of love kind of thing, and uh, and so that that's an important thing to me. That it doesn't matter who you are, where you live, what you can afford, you should be able to afford this book or course. And you know, the the Kindle version's ten bucks of the book. The paperback's twenty five, and the course is, you know, fifty. So I mean, mm -hmm. for ten bucks, people can get access to the Corner and Confidence curriculum. Yeah, which is absolutely. Which which, oh. which is. Which is very, very well worth it. I mean, you know, you were very nice. You gifted me the materials, which was really cool. I appreciated that. Um, but I, yeah, I mean, I easily would have paid the sixty-five for it. Not, not a problem. And I'm not even through the whole thing yet. Um, so, yeah, I, um, yeah, I, I encourage people to do it. And um, you, you know, even what you mentioned, like, yes, there are other books to buy, but like to me, again, there's, there's so much. There's so much. That's what I love about motorcycling. There's so much to know about this subject, <laughs> about and about this sport. Um, that like, I think everyone should have a library, 
you know, it doesn't have to be books on the shelf, but Kindle, whatever, you know, it's like have a library of resources to go to and to your yeah. point so that you can see, you know, what, what are the things that work for you? What are the things that indicate and that makes sense? And, you know, maybe it isn't all from one source, but, you know, guaranteed, like the, the more you open yourself up to whatever, you know, different people's ways of thinking. Um, sure. And that's in part, and maybe we won't talk too much about it because I know you, you got, I, I guess, uh, your son needs your uh, your recording studio there in a little bit. Yeah, yeah, he's so, uh, he's. <laughs> you know how band, we, band, band practice. Or <laughs> well, what happens is we um, well, he wants to exercise, and this is the you know the machine I'm using is in the room that he wants to use, and yeah. you know it's it's interesting because two you know two motorcyclists get together to talk, and it's just talking. You talk. know, you <laughs> can go on for hours. You know what I mean. Yeah. No, absolutely. So yeah, so we we'll, we'll wind it down in, in a couple minutes. But um, yeah, what was what was my what was the point I was getting to? Oh, about about different sources or you know d- different books yeah. and things. Um, yeah, it's it's like so yeah, just like open yourself up to all that stuff. Um, you know, the, the, the something something to be learned from from everyone kind of thing. So and and the thing too, like, um, you know, for sure, you know, I always try to find you know people with the experience and the experts in their field, but even that said, it's like you can learn from anybody. And that's one of the things I've said with the podcast. It's like that's why I don't like I like to have a broad variety of, of guests on. You know, like one of my guests was a brand new writer, you know, because, yeah. you know, one, it was just kind of cool, you know, that, you know, he became a listener of my podcast. He's like, hey, I'm just getting started writing and I find yourself really helpful. But it was like, all right, well, let me have him on. Like he is an expert at being a beginner. Do you know what I mean? Like it's yeah. a while yeah. since yeah. I was a beginner and it's not right. necessarily fresh. So let, let me, let's, let's get his viewpoint kind of on this whole right. thing. So, you know, you, you can learn from anybody, I guess is my point. I, yeah. I've, I've learned, I've learned probably more from three and four year olds than I've learned <laughs> from adults in some cases, yeah. you know, yeah. just in terms no, of, um, you know, spirit of play and, and how to approach life. So, yeah, I agree with you. I think uh, you really do need to get different perspectives. Keep, keep the conversation going. Um, you know, I, I have a lot of older gentlemen and women, um, but a lot of I've had a lot of riders that um, through the BMW club that I do training with. And uh, they've been riding for 30, 40 years and they'll they'll say, wow, that really was good. Thank you. You know, or I really could have used this years ago. And um, I mean, you get that in the, the MSF course, too, when someone comes in that just wants to get their license. But uh you're really never too old to learn something new. And that's, like I said, that's why I'm trying to treat myself with this, uh, you know, this, this sliding and uh, supermoto style and mm-hmm. trying to really kind of open up my, um, you know, be a learner again myself. To, yeah. You know, it's always good to be in that position uh, as, an, as, as a coach, you know, to, to see what the other side is like again. Sure, sure, and it keeps it fresh too. You know, I think that's mm-hmm. the thing too. There's, like I said, there's, there's always something new to learn. I know it'll probably be a little while before we do it, but like Gina would love to. Like she hasn't mastered the street yet, but she'd love to like learn dirt, and she wants to be able to ride off road and stuff. So mm-hmm. there's, uh, yeah, so much to try. Track days, racing, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's, so. it, there's a lot of stuff, and yeah, good luck with your first track day. I know, would you get it postponed? Yeah, well, it, yeah, it was uh, California Superbike School it was supposed to be next month, and uh, yeah, it was going to be at New Jersey Motorsports Park, and I guess a combination of things, you know, things are still up in the air and kind of locked down. So, uh, I rescheduled with them for August. I hope that comes off, but we'll see. I, I did see um, 
New York Safety Track is actually opening up soon, right? They're going to be doing kind of limited, I think they said 40 people at a time. I forget what it was exactly, but they're, they're finding a way that they can kind of, you know, keep the social distancing and whatever needs to be done so that they can get people on the track. They usually, they usually open up the first week in May. Mm-hmm. Um, that's usually when they have their coaches come in and get ready. Mm-hmm. Um, and usually they, you can see that their, um, their calendar's full. And throughout the years, they have just been exploding with um, popularity. The place is an absolute, uh, I'm not going to, it's very busy, you know, and um, Sundays are probably, you know, I, Sundays are probably a better day to go uh, mm-hmm. only because I think Saturdays are probably busier and then people like taper off on the, on the Sundays, but depending on weather, I think it's always busy now. It used to be Sundays were better. I, I have kind of a goal. I want to go back this year again because I haven't been since my last course in 18 there. Um, and so, uh, actually was it 17? Yeah. So I, I stopped doing those in 2017 just because they're, they're very, um, labor intensive, if you will, for a one man show. But, um, yeah, so, so that's, you know, that's the thing with New York safety track, but you, you can't get a nicer group of people that, you know, they're just awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Um, one of the guys, I, I don't know him super well, but I actually met, uh, met him in, uh, had done a course called, uh, corner college which interestingly right like and i was gonna say that earlier like you know your the name of your course the corner and confidence like you're absolutely right like when i had seen the title of that other course it was like yeah corner i, w- I want to learn how to corner better so that is that is kind of the button i think for most motorcycles yeah. but um anyway one, one of the guys i met in that course um rides up at new york safety track the guy that was teaching the course um what was I going to say? Um, actually, kind of coaches and stuff up up at the track. So, yeah, so I know a couple of people. I'm thinking of maybe, uh, yeah, maybe, uh, you know, try to start hanging hanging out up there a little bit. Um, I, don't, I don't know if I'll ride right away, but, but we'll see. I mean, I don't know. Now with this thing, you know, with Superbike School postponed off to August, um, I don't know. I, I may actually, if if New York Safety Track is open and it's there's enough slots I can get in, maybe I will try that. But, well, keep well, keep so. this in mind. Keep this in mind before we start to wrap this thing up here. Yeah. The, you you sign up for the New York Safety Track. They have classroom sessions, coaching. Mm-hmm. Um, you're not uh, just sort right, of you like, know, here, get yeah. on your bike and go. They they understand that you know if people don't have something to work on, it's not nearly the same experience. And so, uh, the, a good experience. And and they have. Awesome coaches. As a matter of fact, I, I started going with a friend of mine in 2015. We started going, we went together, and he's been now a member there for three or four or five years, and he's an expert coach now. So um, he he decided he was going to put all his eggs in that basket, and he has spent basically the last five years at that track, and he's now probably one of the coaches you would have if you went there. His name's Britton, mm-hmm. and uh, he's okay. just a phenomenal human being, and. Uh, so uh, I think I think that might, and it's going to be very inexpensive. Uh, I mean, it's going to cost you probably under three hundred bucks to to do the day there. You know. So. Okay. Wow. That's and you cool. can All usually, right. um, if you get if you go after six o'clock the night before, you can camp for twenty bucks. So usually, um, you know, when we would do it because it's a little far from where we are, we would get down there um, and then camp the night before, and then on the track, you know, dur- till five the next day, and then go home. So. Tra- trailering is also very nice too. So, 
Sure. Yeah. If you, if you can swing because, that. <laughs> you know, because if, you know, not because a lot of people say, oh, you better trailer your bike to the track because if you crash, you're screwed. Oh. It's not, it's really not that it's, it's, you're going to be so exhausted. Mm, spent. Yeah. That you're going to want to just slap on a pair of flip flops and shorts and drive home yep, because you're going to be, you. you know, it's tiring. <laughs> Absolutely. No, I've, yeah, I've already thought about that kind of thing. Cause it was even like, uh, a California Superbike school, you know, I had the option of using my own bike and I was like, well, it's Jersey. It's only a couple hours ride. I could ride down. And I'm like, you know what? No, uh, no, I'm not doing that. First of all, they start like seven in the morning. Uh, it's like, it's during the week. Um, so I'm like, yeah, no, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna do the two day camp. I'm going to rent one of their motorcycles. They'll have everything ready. Tires will be fresh. <laughs> you know, the whole thing. So yeah. yeah, yeah, and that's yeah. that's smart yeah. too. You know, it's because yeah. you know you'll be on good equipment. Right, 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 right. Because because so. there is if if you're going to go do a track day, you, you're you're there's going to be a little bit of a sense of anxiety that your bike might not pass tech. So you're yep. you're thinking, okay, do I want to take my this tire and I want do I want to ride this weekend, you know, for three days on a road trip and then knowing in two weeks I get to go to the right. track and is it going to pass right. and are my brakes good and my leak and stuff, so yep. I. I can see the value, you know, in someone saying, look, I just want to rent your bike because, yeah. you know, you know, that's going to be good. <laughs> right. Sure, sure, sure. So, yeah. So we'll, we'll see. We'll see how that all pans out. Well, keep um, in touch and then maybe we could hook up there or something if you're going. Oh, that, yeah, that'd be awesome. Uh, that, yeah, that'd I'm, I'm going to be, be I'm going to be announcing in my newsletters and things and on my social media, you know, once this thing, the lockdowns get lifted, I'll be, um, you know, sharing what tracks or places i'm going to if people want to meet me up there so okay cool yeah i'd love to meet you in person so we'll have to yeah we'll set yeah. that up i'll uh, i'll keep an eye on your newsletters and stuff so uh i guess we should we should start winding down so your son can uh, do his exercise and whatnot yeah. um so yeah so for listeners who want to get the benefits of cornering confidence um i definitely recommend like i said haven't read the book yet but i have flipped through i can definitely recommend the uh, the online course the book book looks really really good too so uh just for people who are interested so it's kind of cool so john has an affiliates program um that he offered to have me join you know with the podcast so for for any listener who's interested in the course and or the course and book um definitely if you go to my website you'll see so go to so you want to ride a motorcycle.com there's an affiliates link and on that page you'll see links that you can that will bring you to the the website where you can sign up for John's course and what's really cool about that is you know you pay the same as if you got it through any other source but uh a part of the proceeds will go to help support the podcast so John that's really cool that you put that together Yeah and I just want to you know mention that um you know I think it's working together you know, that's, that's the important thing here. You know, it's, it's a considerable amount, um, that, that will be going to the podcast. Uh, you know, it's not cheap to, to do a podcast. It takes a lot of time and effort. It's very difficult to get sponsors. Uh, it's difficult for people to sign up for a Patreon every month. They're going to contribute. It's not that hard, but you know, for people to make that, that step. But, um, but if people were to take advantage of it through Chris's site, um, you know, he's going to get a, a pretty good return, um, from your, uh, from your enrollment and, uh, you know, everybody wins. I get to spread my message. You know, Chris gets to fund what he's doing a little bit easier. It's not easy. I'm sure. Um, you know, he's done a, done a lot of out of, out of pocket, right. 
Um, yeah, it's so, pretty uh, much. Yep, yep, yeah. I mean, it's pretty much. Just to help offset. I mean, you you are one of my supporters now, so I do want to mention that, uh, which I did mention in a past episode. You know, people can go check yeah. out the supporters page. So I appreciate that. But yeah, there, there's a fair amount of uh, expense, and then and like you said too, it's the time. And like I love doing this, but. You know, sometimes it's like, oh, let's see, so I go writing or do I work on the next podcast episode? You know, so it's nice to have. So now your now your listeners have an excuse to to pull the trigger on some some, uh, you know, coaching in the online course. They get a chance to help you. They get a chance to help themselves. And I get my message out there. I couldn't be happier. So yeah, um, if it's a couple yeah. people that take advantage, that would be great. The more, the merrier. But uh you know, I would like to just extend a thank you for having me on the show. I would my my email box uh, is always open to your listeners. If you have any questions or comments, especially if you've read the book or seen any of my YouTube videos, uh, it's uh, you know I'm always here. If you need anything, that's this is my focus for my coaching. It's corneringconfidence.com. That's what I'm doing. But uh, I would probably send you to uh, Chris's site first um, for the for the pass through. So. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so I'll uh, yeah I'll make sure uh, in the the podcast show notes all the links will be there so people can okay, good. reach reach out to you and or sign up for a course or whatever. Um, and just uh, for listeners, uh, just as kind of a like little added bonus um, for for anyone that does sign up for one of John's courses, um, not only are you getting the benefit of everything that's in Corner and Confidence, and you're helping support the podcast a little bit financially, but also I will include you on my podcast supporters page. So you'll go on at the, what is it? The, bear with me here, twin parallel, yeah, parallel twin club level. So yeah, go ahead and sign up. Everybody wins with that one. So there you I, think go. That's really, I think that's really cool. So uh, yeah. any, any final words, John, before we uh, sign off? No, I just, again, I'll say thanks. And I, you know, I hope to continue the conversation on and off. And, you know, we, you know, like I said, I'm always here. We're kind of, uh, we live in the same state, probably seven hours away, but, you know, hopefully our paths will cross, um, you know, on the road if, if they don't right away, hopefully sometime at, at some point, but, um, you're, you're, you're a friend in the industry. Thank you very much for, um, being interested in what I'm doing. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, so definitely, I will get a chance to meet up in person one of these days, and uh, yeah, I'll uh, keep following your newsletter. And actually, I, I want to sit in on one of your the um the 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 chats you've been doing with with readers and and, and students. Is that on Instagram, like Instagram Live, or how are you been um, doing that? No, I'm doing it Zoom. And, oh, right, Zoom, Zoom. Okay. And I have one more for the series I'm doing. When I'm starting to do like a series for people to kind of follow along and. Um, okay. more interaction with me, but I post those on YouTube the next day. Oh, so cool. okay. my so, next uh, one is, uh, so Wednesday's my uh, week from tonight's my last one for the series that I'm doing. I'll be having more. Uh, if you want to join that, you can just email me and I'll send you the password zoom tacked on a password, um, to get into these things. But, uh, if you don't make this one, I plan on uh, doing some other ones and again, announcing those through various methods. Okay, excellent. Yeah, I'll include a link to your YouTube channel also so people excellent. can find it easily. All right, excellent. Yeah, Thank thanks, you, John. Thanks, I Chris. really appreciate it. Yeah, if you want to hang on a second, I'll just shut it down and then we'll we'll wrap it up. Okay. If you'd like to find out more about my podcast or find the earlier podcast episodes, just point your web browser to soyouwantoridemotorcycle.com or find the link in the show notes included with this episode in your podcast app. If you have any questions about the show or the topics discussed, or if you want to send me feedback, you can email me anytime at soyouwantoride at yahoo.com. That address is also in the podcast notes. 
You can also follow me on Facebook and Instagram, where I share lots of links to other people's motorcycle articles and video content, as well as providing a lot of my own motorcycle-related photos and content. Just search for So You Want to Ride, or find the links on my website, or, again, in the podcast notes. There are two big ways you can help support the show. One is free, and one is paid. If you'd like to help support the podcast financially, you can donate using PayPal by going to paypal.me slash Christopher Geis, or just click the donate link at the upper right on my website. I also now have a podcast supporters page on the website, which lists all of the listeners who are supporting the podcast. Total donations of $5 to $9 will make you a member of the Thumper Club, where I'll list your name and any social media links that you want to provide. Donations of $10 and up will make you a member of one of the other clubs where I'll include your photo and biography as well as any links you want to provide. Any commercial organization that would like to support the podcast to help promote their products and services can contact me directly for the available options. All donations will be put to very good use to cover operating expenses and to help promote and expand the podcast. Anything you care to donate will be greatly appreciated. The free way to help is just help me spread the word so we can continue to grow my online and listener communities. So please share the link to my podcast and my social media with family, friends, and coworkers. And also, please leave me a rating and some comments on iTunes and any other place where you can leave feedback or mention the show. As always, thank you for listening. And just remember, whatever you do, it's always time to ride. (laughs) 